Hello and welcome to Software Tech Talks. I'm Zoe Cunningham. Hi and welcome to Software Tech Talks. Today I'm delighted to welcome Esme, Sarah and Marcus. Guys, can I ask you to please introduce yourselves, tell us what you do at Software and maybe an interesting fact about yourself. My name is Marcus Gardner and I'm a software developer at Softwire. Uh, currently I'm working for our client, Anthony Nolan. An interesting fact about myself that feels somewhat mental health related is that I completed the 30 days, the waking up meditation course yesterday. So that feels very relevant. Oh, well done. My name is Esme Chan. I work in the HR department. On a similar note to Marcus, I finished the 30 days of yoga with Adriana on uh, YouTube the other day. That's very good. I got to day four and then I thought, oh, it's getting a bit hard now when I see it. (laughs) 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 So well done on doing 30. I'm amazed at this level of uh, commitment. Hello, I'm Sarah. I work as a technical lead in uh, software um, on our LAX team, which sort of does like rapid prototyping and uh, long-term stuff. The, an interesting fact, well, I had an interesting fact that was supposed to be, that make me look really cool and musical, but since you've all done like mental health and or well-being related things, I think my interesting fact has got to be that I have done all but five of the daily P with Joe sessions on YouTube, which is half an hour a day of just like aerobics for kids. And it is the best thing ever. <laughs> Amazing. And you get like the whole family like doing bunny hops around the living room. It's it's fantastic. I, I literally just did a Joe Wick workout at lunchtime, which is why. Yeah. Oh, did you do one of the grown up ones? I've never done the grown ones. I did one of the grown up ones, but there was like two two exercises in a row where he just did 40 seconds of press ups, which I just can't do. It's like the hardest exercise ever. Ooh. I basically spent a minute 20 of the workout just lying on my face. But they're very, they're very good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about the taking part. I mean, if nothing else, that's what I've gotten out of it. It's do it at your own speed, which I think is good advice. In today's episode, we're going to talk about managing mental health in these challenging times. And I've got some stats here. So 60% of the UK's adult population is now working from home and 8.4 million workers are furloughed. The number of people in the UK claiming unemployment benefits jumped by 69% in April 2020. And research from LinkedIn and the Mental Health Foundation has found that almost a quarter, that's 24% of office workers in the UK, have seen their mental health suffer as a result of the current pandemic. So why is it important that we talk about it now? Well, I mean, for software, mental well-being it was already high on the agenda, And given the fact that you mentioned in that LinkedIn study that 24% of office workers feel like their mental health has been affected by the pandemic, then it's even more important for for us to sort of be thinking about it. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's it's definitely something that um, we've been thinking about before lockdown started. The reason I'm here is because I chair our mental health focus group, which used to meet every month. Now we've even upped it because of lockdown, because I think it's even more of a hot topic. But your working environment has a huge impact on not just your your mental health, like every aspect of your well-being. And while I don't think it's necessarily like your company's job to be, it's obviously not the only thing that affects your mental health. And um, it's not really any of your company's business if, like, for example, you're going through something, you should only share that if you want. But equally, I think companies and communities of a company have real power to help with that. So, you know, I feel really lucky to work at a place where it's, something that people care about like my manager cares about my mental health my my friends at work colleagues do 
At Softwire, we've moved very swiftly to remote working across the whole company. So how's that working out? I think I've personally found that a challenge moving to remote working so quickly. I think all the small interactions that you take for granted on a day-to-day basis and all the human interactions, really, thinking away from Zoom calls and everything else, suddenly disappear. And I think that there's definitely that first few weeks, at least for me, where I didn't change my routine as a result when it was only kind of on getting back on top of things and kind of actually thinking through what it would be that would be helpful for me in my working day and implementing new routines that that new remote working reality became mentally healthy for me. And I think that, yeah, I had already had a routine that I was comfortable with in the physical office that I felt like put me in a good environment and position to have good mental health most of the time. I had to completely change that having had the first couple of weeks and kind of struggling with it for a couple of weeks. Mm. And are there any other kind of examples of where working from home, like we're really finding it's impacting the health of our employees? Or what do we need to consider? I think working from home, a big thing is not being able to switch off. Everything is focused around the screen. And that's definitely something that I've, after work, I try to pull myself away from that and also like create strict times when I'm working and when I'm not. Because it's so, on my phone, I've got my work emails and Slack all connected. So I just turn that off past a certain time because otherwise it's very hard to separate it when you're at home yeah I found it really hard that all of my like all the things that I would want to do outside of work like the socializing and the the activities those are all now digital so essentially I could spend like all of my waking hours online breaking for for food but that's about it like if I wanted to because that's the only way I can now see my friends but I think that's a really unhealthy thing to do you know you've got to all the rules have changed now we need to find new ways of like having a balance both between work and leisure but also between like screen time and like outdoors all those sorts of things I found it quite quite hard but also like I think now having been on lockdown for like several months just about getting getting the grip of it right we're we're learning as we go right it's it's new for a lot of people Yeah, and it's about finding those new routines and the new ways of working. So what are some examples of things we've been doing at Softwire to help support employees' mental health while they're remote? Well, the the most obvious one is keeping things going largely as normal, like our day-to-day operations of just like making software and being in a team and having daily team stand-ups, for example. Those have all moved online but are continuing more or less as before. I found that enormously helpful to have that routine. Like, as Marcus said, it's also important not to pretend like nothing has changed. Like, you need to sort of take it a bit, take it one step at a time. I think having that sense that there's a continuity or there's something that you can hang on to, whatever the analogy is, like a ship in a storm or something, that's been really good. And I think what has been more tricky has been for the employees who are furloughed, which there are a handful, is giving them some routine, which I think we've we've done for quite a few of the people who've been furloughed. Something that I think that we've been doing to help, well, it might not help everyone because some people may find this a bit daunting, but the fact that we're having MD Q&As each week, giving us sort of an update of how the company is doing, sort of the thought process into the next steps for us, and also giving us the different scenarios possibly, depending on what happens in the next couple of months. For me, that's been really, I found that really reassuring. I do know, because we did a survey about recently, and there were a few comments saying that some people found that quite hard, 
hearing about the possibility of having a pay cut. But I think in a time of such uncertainty, to have at least some kind of honesty and clarity regularly, I think on the whole, most people probably find that beneficial. Yeah, I think personally, I, I found that beneficial because when you're when you're facing potential headwinds, even if they're, they're not at your door yet, it's one thing reacting in a crisis. It's another thing to say, if we find this affecting us in three to six months, why don't we have a conversation now before that is emotionally kind of hijacking us? Why don't we have the conversation now? But we, what we'd like to do when our heads are calmer. And I've found that really helpful. And I've also found helpful, you know, right from the beginning of working from home that we've kind of recommunicated some of the fundamental services that we offer our staff to look after their mental health. And particularly for those that may be really, really drastically affected by a work from home move or potentially someone's really worrying about someone that's close to them that's vulnerable to that that shall not be named. I found that a very, a very helpful right at the beginning to remind all your staff what is available in terms of support. You know, at Softwire, we've got therapy solutions that, that we can access and we can talk, talk to someone confidentially without even software knowing other than the number of people that have access to service in the year and reminding people of internal services like that but also external services that are available even if your own company can't provide them you know things like the mental health foundation and mind have a lot of resources I think it's you know I think often it's easy to think about your own experience even if kind of lockdown is going well for you it's very hard to put yourself in someone else's shoes in terms of how it's going for them. And you don't know their extended situation. They might have a partner that has an illness that means they're more susceptible or anything else. So I think it's about offering those kind of scenarios and options to people that are finding it really, really challenging, even if you're not finding it challenging. I think it's harder to be empathetic to how others are experiencing something when you can't physically see them. So you don't know if someone's really struggling in between the 30 minute check-in you have with them one week to the next. I think Re-extending those offers that are anonymous and confidential, as well as company focused, are a really helpful way of ensuring there's a baseline of, hey, we're expecting this to be a problem. We're expecting you to have challenge. And some of you might find this a really extreme challenge. And there are resources that exist within software or within our company. And there are resources that exist, that exist externally that you can find really helpful as well. So I think that kind of reaffirming and re-communicating those resources that can help is a really important step as well. Yeah, so essentially it's a super important time to like double down on everything, you know, that companies are doing to support mental health already, like do it more, you know, make sure people know about the resources because they're going to need them. Yeah. I think the breadth of resources is also really important because, you know, the, uh, as Marcus mentioned, you know, you've got some options which are anonymous. They are like in, not, not impersonal. They're, they're with a stranger, which can be enormously useful. But also we've got resources that are within the company that are as face to face, you know, remotely as, as you can get with someone that, you know, in confidentiality. So there's no one solution to everybody's problems, but having a system that offers lots of different possible routes to to triage that's the right word to to help i think it's been enormous useful the one that i've been involved with with has been our mental health groups every three weeks now is it where we just it's not even a particularly like targeted thing we just get together for tea and a chat and fold some origami that's the (laughs) that's what it needs to be and if somebody has something that they they need to get off their chest i think it's quite a good you know conversation outlet in a peer-to-peer setting even at the best of times, people have different ways in which they relate to mental health. Some people find therapy helpful. Some people find origami helpful. Some people find you know a whole range of different things helpful. And I think that it's that understanding that in this time, people will find different things helpful. Some people will find lots of Zoom calls helpful to feel like they're connected to people. Some people will, will not enjoy that experience and kind of want more time alone. And it's about recognizing the different neurodiversity that people have and how they want to respond in this situation and providing for 
a, a spectrum of different things from everything from mental health groups as Sarah's talking about that she's running to those resources that exist like Mental Health Foundation. Absolutely. So we've been talking there a little bit about how to support people who are working and what the experience is like working during a pandemic, being at home. But actually working from home is challenging. But what if you've been furloughed? That's a completely different experience. I think going back to what I said again about the MD meetings, all our furlough employees are able to join those company meetings, which, and again, because all the information about the furlough situation and the employees who are on it, I think that's great for them to still feel part of the company, even though they're not directly working for us right now. Right, so making sure people are still connected to the business, even if they're not working full-time anymore, yeah. To recap, I guess, like who in Software Wire has been furloughed. So obviously there's a few members of the core office team that have, have been furloughed because we don't have an office for them to run anymore, which is a really, really tough one because, you know, those people don't have any any means of of staying in contact. So, so yeah, as Esme says, I think it's really important to keep them in the community, even if they're not able or allowed to to do work for the company. But equally, we also have a number of members of the technical team who have been furloughed because, for example, we, there's less work going around, so we can't we don't have anything to do with them. But what we've done with them is we're actually using this as an opportunity to put them through training courses, which is actually one of the things the government said, but well, like was in favour of doing, and basically like using this as an opportunity that they can do a training course in Amazon Web Services to pick a random example. So, you know, there's a there's a silver lining somewhere. but And it, it's actually important, isn't it, to keep people busy and productive and for people not to feel like they've been put on the shelf or that the company doesn't need them anymore. And again, like communicating that it's a temporary thing. Being really open about what the situation will be, under what circumstances they will be unfurloughed and, you know, staying true to that. And of course, an even worse situation than being furloughed is for the many, many people who've lost their jobs. As I said at the start, the increase of 69% in uh, people claiming unemployment allowance. I mean, it's got similar challenges to furlough in that suddenly you, you don't have a job to go to anymore, but you also have financial concerns. You have to think about, are you going to get a new job? <laughs> How can businesses deal with this in the best way to support their employees you know layoffs are going to be a reality you know I think it's it's brilliant how many companies have been furloughing their employees while that's on offer but eventually you know there are going to be changes to to the economy what can companies do to do this in the best way be transparent be humane yeah and yeah communicate it in a humane and you know a fair way to your employees because I think at this time, people are all quite worried about their jobs. And if you're able to give, you know, as much advance uh, and prepare people for whatever situation, whether that be good or bad, I think that's helpful. I mean, it's your mental health will probably still be affected, but I feel like maybe it might soften the blow slightly because you might have a bit of prep time to sort yourself out. And to think about the actual, you know, that conversation that has to be had ultimately, I think that it is important to, I mean, you know, I think someone mentioned the word humane quickly. I think difficult conversations are difficult at the best of times, even when it's like, you know, you're giving someone feedback or something, let alone having to make the ultimate decision to let go of someone and make them redundant when you that wasn't in your company's plans and wasn't anyone's plans. I think 
as Esme mentioned, you know, you you give people clear communication in advance, so they can make sensible financial decisions about the next few months, and they don't do things like buy a new car or anything like that, or put themselves at personal risk financially. And I think when it comes to having a conversation, it's always best to do that. You know, there might be an initial announcement that something's going to happen, but I think it's important to have one-to-ones as much as possible for each of those conversations and to, to keep in touch with people because you never know, you know, the economy by definition is cyclical. So you never know when that your path will cross that person again and maybe things do improve and you can hire them back in six months, everything changes. So I think as is kind of common sense, like I think it's important to spend the time it takes, even as difficult as the time is, to have those humane conversations one-to-one with people and to keep that bridge open because you, you know the cyclical nature of the economy will revert back around again and will open that opportunity again i think that for an individual that has been made redundant i think there's a there's a very understandable amount of emotional pain that comes with redundancy and losing your job it's not something that i have personal experience of but i you know having had people close to me that have gone through that i think it is completely normal and natural to be really frustrated and potentially angry and potentially sad and all the seven stages of grief and everything else and i think that Part of that acceptance is that reality and there's a lot of concerns and worries and i think that you don't have to take all that on your own there are resources that exist out there like samaritans mental health foundation mind i think it's at those moments where you have most challenge in life be it because of your job or some other reason like personal loss that's again a moment similar to how was talking from a company level that's a moment where you've got to redouble your efforts in mental health like however hard things are however busy you are is however much more time you need to be spending than normal doing mental health activities, whatever it is that does give you moments of joy in your day-to-day. Yeah, absolutely. So just to finish, are there any positives that we can take? Because I think it's important to to look for challenges, right, and to think about how to address them. But also, are there opportunities that people can be taking advantage of in the current situation and maybe things that we can learn from that we can then take with us into our you know, post-lockdown world? Yeah, I think I think there's loads. I think it's a it's a really tricky one because it's the world turned upside down. There's so many effects of it that when it well, certainly when lockdown started, I think I read the the bulletin of like what what the rules are going to be, and I just like I sat there with a bit of a state of shock. It was like this is going to change so much. I know now that I cannot assimilate all of the things that are about to start happening in one go. So I'm just going to like push it back a little bit and take it as it comes. But I think it's going to take us a while to really see what all the different outcomes of lockdown are long term which ones stick around and which ones don't for example like it it's quite um known how like much of a positive environmental impact this has had because uh, loads of international flights have been cancelled much lower car use and that's fantastic so it's going to be really interesting to see if that sticks around and then i think the same is true for the company like it's had a very really big impact on how we work and how flexible we are with working remotely how we're able to support people going through hardship it would be really interesting to see if we can make it stick. I think one of the interesting things for me about like, I feel like the natural psychological reaction to like, I've got lots of time on my hands, be it furlough or for other reasons, is that there's this like kind of implicit pressure to be productive. Like, I'm going to learn this language and then I'm going to like do a drawing course and then I'm going to become really good at maybe programming. Maybe I'm going to learn how to put code. I think that like, I would challenge people to, to take the moment to actually challenge yourself to rest and recover for a little bit even if it's just part of the time that potentially you have away from work as a furlough or other reasons, or maybe it's just quieter, calmer evenings than you than you previously would have had. I think that it's very easy to kind of pressure yourself in, you know, in that kind of do culture that everyone that people can get easily trapped in, using the time to actually feel like you can rest and recover a bit more. 
I think that one of the things looking across the period the last few months as we've been working remotely, for the last three years or so, I've filled in something called Moodscope, which is like a kind of daily mood tracker where you have these psychological flip cards that you play through and click in, and it gives you a rough kind of estimate of your mood across a lot of different facets. And it's been interesting to see that, you know, I still have really good days. I still have the highs that I, I would have had previously. I've had days that are as good as pre all this stuff happening. But I think what's interesting is that like the average score has gone down for me a fair amount I think that yeah you still have that emotional range day by day so it's weird sometimes you can still have a good day but I feel like yeah certainly for me personally I found it overall just bringing that mood down but there are still good days there are still things you can do like I've learned I've been cycling more than I ever have and I've gotten into new forms of exercise that I hadn't previously considered so I think there are interesting opportunities about the change of routine even getting to know my local area far better than I used to know it, having had to walk around loads rather than go to the gym has been really eye-opening for me. So I think that, you know, it is okay to have moments of joy and to have really good days too. And it's also okay that probably on average, the days are a bit worse and a bit more challenging. As Marco says, there's lots of pros and lots of cons and lots of things that don't really fall into either of those categories. The big two I would call out are that I think we're going to get a lot better at being flexible for our employees working patterns people who start late and end late or people who uh, want to work remotely a certain number of days a week like we were already pretty good at that but I think it's going to become much more widespread especially for people who don't live close to the office and also I think I mean this is completely anecdotal and so don't quote me on it but I think it's been quite good from a the perspective of being more like accepting of our neurodiversity as a community because some people really like working remotely it's completely different change of pace it's completely different like pan of you you're socializing because you've opted into it rather than because it's happening at you because you're in an office and there's people happening at you and anecdotally i think that's been really good for my colleagues with autism or on the autism autistic spectrum i think there's probably other things that uh, similar like ways in which it might be beneficial for some people i think what is most likely is that we carry this forward by like in the future being really open to people working remotely or just a bit more understanding of different people's different working patterns which i think can only be a good thing and actually understanding that things can be different i think it's easy to get into this routine where everything always works the same way and so it's not challenged <laughs> And now lots of organisations are discovering that actually it didn't have to work that way. There are other ways, other models for working. Yeah, I think I think a microcosm of that, like an analogy for that, is that like having the, having walked around my local area a lot more, I realise now that I've just been walking the wrong way to the station. I've never walked <laughs> the other way. There is another alternate route that it doesn't involve any cars and is very pleasant and is like three minutes shorter. And I just wasn't aware of that possibility. So that feels like a sort of mini analogy for like these other possibilities that I w- wasn't aware of. You know, like for example, I think if I went back to work living about an hour from the office, I'd probably feel a lot more, you know, in a stronger stead to be able to say, oh, can I work from home Wednesday every week? Because I feel like that's a really good way for me to manage my energy over the course of the week and and kind of get rid of the the feel of drudgery of the commute that we no longer have to do. So I think that it forces you to open up new paths. There's a fantastic statistic that I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's about how when, uh, I think when the TFL uh, had their strike, a bunch of people were forced into new uh, working patterns. And I think it was something like 20% of people stuck to their new form of their commute. They took a different route for, forever from then on. So overall, the, the strike had been positive for the average worker. So I think it's quite an interesting thing to consider in the context of this. COVID was just a big experiment to see what we prefer, how we prefer to work. I mean, 
flexible working is seen as a bonus for you know a lot of companies and it's been high on the agenda a lot so now we've been forced to have this experiment where we all have to work at home and actually our company has done really well at it so it will definitely open up the doors to more conversations about how you want to work personalizing it to what works for you I can't wait to get back in the office. I love our office. I love the fact <laughs> that it has nice coffee as opposed to yeah. coffee that I can make at home, which is not as nice. And I love that I can just have impromptu conversations. I love that I can just turn around and go, hey, can you help me with this thing? I can't figure out how to make it work. And there's somebody there who can answer the question immediately. There's, there's pros and cons. You couldn't do your Joe Wicks in the morning. I could, exactly. <laughs> well, I could, I could do it in the office. I think everyone else might complain. You can do that at Monte Carlo, push the sofa. Yeah. <laughs> right, it's happening. Oh, there's so much to talk about here. It's such a big topic. Thank you all so much for your contributions. I've really found that exciting and informative to listen to. And it gives me hope for the future, right? So thank you all so much and thank everyone for listening and tune in to us next time on Software Tech Talks. And in the meantime, take care of yourselves and take care of each other.